Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pod BN Election Edition 2021. Another one of the Bloomington mayoral candidates is on the way, Mike Straza. I want to thank him for coming on. Also, want to thank Little Beaver Brewery. Go down to Five Finance Drive. Have you really not gone down there yet? How many times do I have to tell you to go down there? If you've been listening to this election edition, you know that at Five Finance Drive, you have one of the finest outdoor patios in the cities of Bloomington and Normal. They're going to be opening soon as the weather warms up here. They've got some nice heaters set up. They've got an outdoor bar so you can get your beers without having to go inside. They also have a great indoor space too. Some old kegs set around for decorum. Some cool paintings of the Little Beaver logo. And uh, just a great place to go and gather in a socially distanced and COVID safe environment and enjoy community good beer good drinks what are you waiting for go ahead and go out there and do it and now on with the show welcome to pod bn this is jeremy here with justin and michael strasser michael thanks for coming on on the podcast yeah thank you thank you for inviting me to uh, the podcast yeah so michael you are running for mayor of bloomington um why don't you just give all of our listeners a little bit kind of background if they don't know you a little bit about you and then what made you decide to run for mayor? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Mike Straza running for uh, city of Bloomington mayor, uh, moved here with my family in 1983. Uh, so for the younger group, that seems, you know, different. Uh, uh, I went to Bloomington junior high, went to the Bloomington high school and I went on a, uh, uh, track and cross country scholarship at ISU where I got my economics degree. Um, through all that time, uh, I met my wife in high school. Um, so we have been dating and then we got married shortly through college and we've been together married for about 29 years. And from that, uh, my work experience, I've been anywhere from uh, foreign currency analysts to marketing, to uh, tech, to healthcare and uh, working in nonprofits. So I've seen a lot of different things, been involved in a lot of different aspects of uh, different sectors. Okay. What, what made you want to jump in to be mayor and ha- take on a second job? Well, take a second job. Yeah. So a lot of people have asked me that throughout this time. It's like, what, what made you decide to do this? And I look at it as back in 2016, actually, I was talking to somebody that I was working with at that time at one of our coffee places here in town. And it was just saying my interest in serving, um, being a civil servant in this community, wanting to help more because that's what I've done all my life is always wanted to help people and grow things. And I thought running it for city government, being mayor of Bloomington was something I really want to do because I have a desire to help people. Um, and this is a way I wanted to do that. Okay. And I know originally uh, you, you kind of threw your hat in the ring for one of the, the council members. Walk us through kind of that decision of Hey, we're going to go there. And then things changed, obviously. And now now looking at mayor. So looking at, you know, pivoting from uh, going from uh, Ward 5, basically, to mayor. Um, yeah, it's a good question. People are like, well, why was the quick switch? Um, really, my skill set has always prepared me to work with people in a bigger scope. Um, if, as we talk through this uh, podcast, uh, a lot of things I've done through uh, business development, well, should it kind of explain a little bit more about why I'm fit for this. And a, a lot of it with being mayor is that, yeah, I looked at Ward 5, uh, Terry Renner, of course, our you know, current mayor, uh, had been running two terms. And when I uh, learned that he was going to 
step aside and take a break. And um, I was like, well, this is the opportunity right now to do what I've ultimately wanted to do is to go right into that position and to lead in that way. Okay. Um, well, well, let's turn a little bit to some of the issues that are out there. Yeah. Um, you know, day, day one, you walk in, there's a lot of stuff going on in the town um, yes, there is. or the, 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 in city here. Uh, so you walk in day one, if, if you had the power of the agenda, which you somewhat will here, uh, what's the first agenda item that, that we should start looking at and addressing? Well, one of the first things is really sitting down with our council and our uh um, city leaders and really sitting down and talking about what's going on. And we all know what's been going on. And we just, we need to, I think we need to come back together a little bit more. I feel like we have separated a little bit. Um, our agendas have kind of strayed a little and it's not a necessarily none of the, it's not saying someone's um, agenda is not important. It's just more of, I feel like we're not as cohesive as we could be. And through all the years of me uh, running companies or being part of other companies is that was one of the things I, the role I fit was being that, uh, uh, mediator in the middle to try to say, hey, how do we bring people back together and how do we uh, work as a team? And that's what it is, is about it. It's a team aspect. And that's one of the things. The other thing real quick is, which is all on everyone's mind, the COVID. What is, we are, you know, our service industry has been decimated by this. This is, we are really struggling in that area. And this is going to be a, probably uh, at least two years, year, uh, year to two years at least of recovery in all aspects. And which that does is not just the owners, it's the people that had jobs there or looking for jobs. They need to, uh, we got to figure out how we're going to help them more and how we bring growth back to this community. So, so what do we do? Uh, helping individuals, and you, you said bring it, helping individuals more and bring your growth back to the community. Kind of walk us yeah. through what are some of those uh, plans or steps or some of your vision for how we can do that. Um, well, again, from my experience of, of being a business owner and just uh, a leader is looking at the pain points and the things that people have been going through. I mean, we see outside the outwardly the pain points, uh, what people are going through from the business owners, not be able to be open or limited seating or limited just business itself. We need to look and see what is the true pain? What is the, what they're having other than customers and money? Is there something else we need to be looking at and bringing in all the resources uh, to help them? So SBDC, which I'm on the board for SBDC, we need to bring in our local city EDC when it deals with retail. And we need to bring the Bloomington Normal EDC, which deals with more manufacturing and um, office space, things like that. So those are, we have some key things and there's even more than that of key people that need to come together and bring that together. And I look at it as that as one of the things as mayor is being the representative of this community and trying to bring people together and saying, okay, you have this strength, you have this strength, how do we make these all work? Um, everyone's trying, but I think there needs to be some more, the communication, as we all say, is needs to be better. And I think we can do that in that respect. Um, the other thing is uh, financing. What do we look at state and federal? Can they provide us any other financing, other things that would help um, spur growth? Uh, so we have that growth spurt. We also need to get people excited about building, continue to expand and build in our community. And that's internally and externally. That's going outside of our community and finding businesses to come in here and want to build, want to bring employment. We need jobs. We need more high paying jobs that will help the skilled workers we have and we need to develop more skilled workers so we can do that. And that's uh, one of the three, you know, couple of things I would do. So 
was going to say, you, you talked you talked about bringing people together um, and going back to specifically when you're elected mayor, sitting down with the other council members and maybe mm-hmm. city staff, um, you know, that I no way to put this, but that sounds awesome. But how do we do that? Right. Yeah. Because especially today, as the council sits, it, you know, there are some very differing ideas, but depending on, on how this election turns out, it could be even more divided than than it is today. Um, so you have, you know, nine wards all with some different agendas. Bloomington being a ward-based uh, system, mm-hmm. they're going to have very specific needs for their area of the community, unlike normal, that they're all looking at a, a, the community as a whole. So how do you bring all these different areas of the community together, all these different types of things? Some people are, are going to lean more on social issues. Some people are going to like, hey, I only care about streets. So, you know, so how do you bring those ideas together and lay out maybe an agenda for the next year or two uh, of things you can actually check off a list and get done that doesn't take up just a lot of noise and media. Yeah. Well, yeah, the noise and media. Uh, so yeah, what I would say with that is you got to look at each individual ward. And I've been looking at this for a long time. This isn't like when I decided to run for mayor, let's find out. I've been again like here since 1983. I've seen it where there was most of the, you know, by Veterans Park, it was cornfields. There was tons of cornfields. Um, Hershey and GE did not connect uh, either direction going north. So up to basically almost... Um, Closer, uh, further south, it didn't connect. So you would stop. There was cornfields when I first came here and there, you know, Joomers, all that stuff was not there. And so I look at that as looking at being involved and being going throughout the community and seeing where the strengths and weaknesses are and where we need to continue to develop is going to those wards, those representatives who represent each ward and hearing their, their top three things that they really want to see happen. And saying, okay, let's look at those. How does that as a comprehensive thing out of all each of them have, how do we then take all those and say, that's important, that's important. Because I know that's what the biggest issue is, representation. And they want to feel like they're being, they're taking care of their ward and they're being represented in the correct way. So we need to look at the things that are really need, that are dire, need dire help. And we need to look at those first and saying, everyone's going to have a chance to bring something or we're going to do that. And as a business person, the sacrifices I've had to make over the years of basically have had, you know, over the years, I've had well over 100 plus employees, contractors, uh, volunteers, you name it, I've helped that. And looking at all those and their different strengths and weaknesses and figuring out what is best for the whole and trying to figure out how do we make it move forward. So my experience in that help helping people and helping to understand what they need, what their vision is and making that happen. Um, it might not happen day one, but it will happen. Um, that is something as a business owner, it's not about me. It's not about me making profit. It's about me. How do I make families thrive? How do I make a business thrive? How do I make a community thrive? And that is my biggest goal is that in taking those different opinions, um, which I've you know been used to. I've seen it. We've seen it all over you know social media, uh, locally, state, and federal, and we need to do a better job. And I want to uh, prove that we can do that. I think no matter what the differences I have with people or they have with me, I still say, let me listen. Let me hear. How do we work together? There's We need to look at it as you know, we need to step back in humility and say, you know what, it's for the people of our community. It's not for me. It's not for you. It's for the whole. So that's kind of how I would approach it. Michael, I appreciate the the tone of, of, you know, working together, trying to listen, trying to arrive at, at the common, common point. But uh, at the same time, also kind of like Justin was saying, you know, there's, 
there's there's going to be people on both sides. So, so let's start with COVID as a for yeah. example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot we can do there. Um, just want to kind of understand your vision or or your views when you have um, you'll have some people. We're already hearing in campaigns of hey, the the city needs to be giving money directly to individuals and helping people with rent or, or you know uh, that sort of thing. And that's that's at some point fundamentally at at odds with mm-hmm. landlords saying hey, we need to be able to get get pay our mortgages, pay our stuff. You know, there's choices that are going to be having to make be made. On the business side, you look at um, using the uh, liquor commission mm-hmm. to give fines for businesses that stayed open and businesses saying, hey, that's right. We're doing things safe. We should. Others saying, no, community good. I mean, at some point, people are going to disagree on this. You know that. And, yes. and so, so there's going to be a point where you just can't get everybody – in the same, and, and give me a little sense of where do you fall on some of those kind of key issues? Yeah, that's a lot there. Uh, so <laughs> it is, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I look at it as COVID is something we've never experienced in, in my lifetime. I have not experienced something like this that has co- basically shut down a community, a state, the, the United States. Uh, we have never seen this. We've had some pretty awful things in the years I've been around um, that we've had some pretty big markers of, you know, from 9-11, a lot of people remember that. And uh, that was something that we recovered from, but it was an, it was an area that we was focused on. If you're talking in, a, in an effect that affected all of us, but it was an area that was just rebuilt and done. Um, but all, most of us reality and the sad thing is we all went back to our lives after a period of time. Um, this is something that's affected all of us. We can't say, oh, it was our neighbor. Oh, it was so-and-so we feel bad, but you know, you have that, you have the housing crash in 28, you know, 2008, you have, um, you have COVID, you have a lot of different things that we've hit milestones of things that have happened. And this one is take, this is going to take everyone before it was like, Hey, we'll send funding. And right now, Texas, you look at Texas. Huge problem down there, uh, awful. Um, but again, it's not. It's it affects us indirectly. It affects us directly and indirectly. So, what we have to look at as COVID is like looking to start with. Uh, you know, people have asked me. It's like, well, Mike, what's your stance as a business owner? Um, should we give fines or not fines? That's a tough one. That is, uh, we have never. Again, this is something we unprecedented. We've never had to deal with. We have. We had a communication from all over the place that wasn't quite sure what we should do and not do. I don't believe anybody businesses that basically stayed open and did things that probably was not best. Uh, they're just trying to survive. And it's not just them about their money and stuff like that. It's about the employees they have. They're trying to figure out how do I do this? Yeah. There's been some grants and things like that. There's was the, I think there was the 10,000 and the $20,000 grant, which is great. But if you ever run a business that is a drop in the bucket for most businesses. That is not going to keep the recovery. And you have PPP, you had all these other care, you know. So you have those, but again, no one's ever done this. We don't know how we would react having a business, having this leverage of our money. And I don't think any of them were looking to harm people. And that's the thing is I want people to understand is I don't think any of the owners I've talked to and people that I've heard indirectly, it's like no one was looking to harm anybody. I think this someone was trying to figure out how do we make this happen with the information we were given. Um, and they were still struggling with that. So that that's one of the things. And I'm sorry, I kind of trailed off there. Uh, just trying to you, you look at that. You look at uh, just the different things that are going on in our community. Um, we need to do 
we, yeah, it's a bit pie in the sky to think we're all going to get together. We're all going to work together. We're all going to do the same thing. We have the same focus. But my goal is at least get somewhere. We got to move forward. We can't give up and say, well, if it's if I can't have this and I'm I'm done, I'm out. I'm not going to talk to somebody. I'm not going to work with them. And that's something we've we've seen that happen on a national scale. We don't need to be national. We are local. We have such a great effect we can have on this community by working together and showing that we can do it better than anybody else. And I think that's the thing we have to look at is like, we have to be better than what so, everyone else is doing. So this is, sounds like um, the approach, if you were mayor, you would be using liquor commission or you wouldn't be giving fines in, in those cases specifically for those businesses. I don't think so. Um, again, what is the end goal of that? Uh, saying, you know, it, you know, we had a mandate from the state and again, it was so confusing. I was talking from, from legal to everyone I've talked to and different things. People say, well, yes, it is. No, it's not. And it's like, I don't know if it's because people want to hear what they want to hear. It's just, again, there was not a direct line of understanding of what in the world is going on other than people are getting sick. Um, there's problems. We need to be careful. Um, we need to be care, you know, caring for our elderly. We need care for people to have pre-existing conditions. And also, too, we don't even know what the total effect is this going to be. So I don't know if that is the way to punish people or to, you know, through the liquor commission. Um, again, sitting in that seat and making that decision is a tough one. And I think that's something that I'd be willing to do and listen to it. And I want to make sure I have full facts and then to basically saying this group or this group should have gotten fined and not fined and really understand their situation. And then did, did we go out there to find out before they started doing this? understanding what's going on and, you know, seek to understand. And I think that's some of the things we have to do and do as a community is like, I can't make assumptions. I see the action, but I my assumption is this X, Y, and Z. And that's the thing that we do with, we shouldn't do with anybody in our community saying, well, I saw what they did. So, or I assume what that's what they did. So then this is what, how I'm going to punish them. And that's something we can't, we got to step back a little bit. And I think that's where we have to look at everyone as a whole and get a better understanding. The, the groups out there on the flip side that are calling for uh, some more support for individuals like we were talking about through through grants or rent relief or whatnot. What's your view on that approach? Like grants uh, for people that you're talking, are you talking rents? Are you talking so rent? Yeah, okay. I've, I've heard I've heard various uh, yeah. proposals out there, but basically a uh, use city government, use some of the coffers to help individual people that are struggling at a personal level uh, yeah. for, with COVID. That's a hard thing. As I look at the budget, you look at the budget as a whole, um, you know, the new budget's coming out soon. Um, we had what, 230 million this past time and it's going to 245. In my understanding, as you go through that whole, but all the budget line items and trying to understand what is restricted, unrestricted funds, how do you determine that? What are those funds? And have to understand first, what are we even talking about? How much money are we talking that we can even help somebody? So looking at that and understand, um, because a lot of times like any budget, not just city, but you know, you look at schools, other things like they have buckets where money goes and you have to use it in that area. You can't say, well, we, we have an extra in this bucket. So why don't we just put it over here? It'd be great, but that's just not, uh, it's not allowed. It's, there's a reason why they have restricted and unrestricted the money. And we have to look at that. So I don't even know what money we're even talking that we could move around um, for that. But one of the things, Jeremy, you had mentioned was, besides the renters what about the landlords uh the landlords they got bills too this is not something they can with you know um, keep on doing themselves and our concern too is you know 
upkeep of the properties they have and people are renting because I don't want anybody you know, look out right now. We have a little bit warmer day. We're in the 20s and people are excited about that is I don't want to be out in the cold. Um, so we have to figure out is, is someone's close to losing their rents, their home. We have to figure out what we can do and go from there. And that's the biggest thing is trying to figure out how that everyone somebody gets a piece of something. And I don't know if it's coming from the city, if it's something we have to continue to talk to the state and federal to say, how can we get more fund, funding grant money? Um, because we, we, again, we can't take money from something that we, um, that's there if it's not allowed to. Mike, you mentioned some, uh, earlier some collaboration uh, between the city of Bloomington, um, their, their economic development department, as well as the regional EDC. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see that collaboration at today and how could it be improved in the future if you were mayor? Well, a lot of it is, I mean, there's so many aspects of that is a lot of times people don't even understand how the city EDC and the Bloomington normal EDC, the regional EDC and how these other people function. It's like, oh, can I go here? It's like, oh, no, they do retail. Um, city does retail. Uh, DN EDC does more manufacturing, office space, things like that. So it's trying to understand where they are at. Uh, so making sure who you know the roles. SBDC, uh, small small business development, is something that can you know could talk to and find out where there's extra grants, other funding for them, and they've been heavily involved in that to making sure that word gets out to how to get uh, funding. Uh, so again, it's just really trying to make sure we're coordinating and making sure that they. Everyone knows they're out there because, again, um, lack of information is sometimes the, the thing that gets a lot of people in trouble is they don't know they exist, even though you and I understand they exist and kind of understand what they do. Um, some people have no idea that resource is even out there. So we got to continue to push that idea where these resources are. What do they bring? What can they do for you? And who can they connect? I'm a big time. I'm a big person that likes to connect people. Um, if I don't know it, I'll find you someone that will, and I'll make that commitment. And we need to have that more of a commitment of trying to help um, whatever the level of uh, employment you have, level of you know ownership, anything. It's like we have to you know raise the bar for everybody to uh, be able to um, get the the money or the funding or the security they need in this time. So how does the city of Bloomington do a better job promoting all these different entities? Like the, I'll just give you a couple, like the EDC mm-hmm. compared to the McLean County Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. um, you know, SBDC would be a good one. How, I mean, what's, what's the city's role in actually promoting those? I think a lot of it is each of our roles, I mean, city and even all those entities, as I walk, go to run around some of the nonprofits in the community on all parts of the community is making sure that they know these things exist. And it's like, again, it's a information problem that not necessarily it's the city's fault or EDC's fault or anything by that. It's an issue of just people just don't know where to look or they don't have the ability to look. If they don't have internet, they don't have good internet. They don't have ability to know that these things exist. So again, neighborhoods and areas, associations to, you know, boys and girls club, any place that there's a place where people go and meet, which has been difficult because of the COVID is we need to have a place where they can learn and understand these are things, these are top things that they do. This is how they can help you. Um, and again, it's trying to get, you know, how do we continue to uh, communicate that in the best way? And I think it's, we got to go to the organizations and making sure that there's some type of either 
booklet. Uh, once in a while, there's we everyone goes and rotates through and tries to tell them here's what we do. Um, again, it's again it's it's an informational thing that we need to figure out a, a best way to get it to people. Wouldn't it be great if there was a, a and I I am not a technology person, but like a website where someone could ask a question and it directs you to where to go? Like I mean, that would be mean? good. You would think that's already exists. It's probably just somewhere. So. You would think uh, that someone smarter than me should come up with that. Yeah. And that's the thing is, it's like, who does everyone have the ability? The assumption is everyone has the ability to, to have a device or yeah. a computer or something. It's like most people do, but I'm sure there's a lot that don't. And then also too, you look at our uh, translation too, is like you, you know, most of everything is going to be in English. So then it's like, how do people that don't speak English how are they able to connect? And that's the thing is I want to make sure that we are reaching, how do we reach all groups and no matter your background is like, how do we reach them? And that's the biggest thing I want to make sure that we do. It's a big task. I understand, but uh, I think we, we got to move forward. We got to take it little pieces at a time um, and try to improve people's lives. Michael, you, you just touched on something right there about not everybody having a device. And I think that's been one of the biggest uh, talking points with the expansion of the Bloomington Public Library specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and what's your views on the library expansion? I know the city bought some land uh, uh, um, south of the library there. There's been a lot of talk about expansion, what that looks like. Um, walk us through your vision as mayor of what should we be doing there to help the library out and go forward with expansion or not. That's a hard thing is, again, it's like the focus is, I mean, immediate thing people are going to think when expansion library, people would say, well, why do we need a library? Everyone can look on their phones or they can do this. And, and one of the big things I had learned, which helped me understand a little bit more, too, is going through the Bloomington 101 class. I did that over a year ago, maybe two years ago. Time has flown by probably two years ago is learning what the library does now. Before, it's like, oh, you go to the library, you check out books. Um, back in the day, you used a car, thing called card catalog, uh, which not many people are even aware of that anymore. Uh, uh, so a lot of it is understanding what the, the, the classes they provide and the things they do there, the, the engagement that they have with people. And I think that is under, first understanding that and then understanding, okay, it's like, wow, there's a cost. The city's going to have to put money up and understanding that it's like, as a business owner, looking at that and saying, okay, yeah, the city has, you know, invest in this because um, the building is older. It needs some uh, updates um, and some of it might not be able to be updated because of the way it's been structured and the way it was created. Um, so we need to look at, so what is the best cost effective way? And is it truly what people, when they hear library, do they know what that really means, what it really is to this day and age? And I look at it as looking also to corporate sponsors, uh, looking at, again, looking beyond just city, looking at who can we bring in to saying, show them the vision of what it could be and what it should be and seeing who be willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to put something up there because not a, it's going to help with jobs. It's going to help with communication. It's going to help with a lot of different things. And I think that some people might miss the idea that it's more than just reading books. It's more than, you know, so again, it's making those connections and, um, and having some other leaders say, hey, here's what I can do. Here's what I can provide. You know, if there's job training there, if there is, you know, other types of classes that'll help kids after school type things that would be more beneficial than people realize. Right. So we are just about, actually, we're just over halfway through. Um, oh, wow. and, yeah, I know it flies, right? It flies by. <laughs> um, 
So at the halfway point, we always like to do a game of rapid fire where we're just going to throw out some words to you. And we just want your two to three, four word response to them. Um, We may expand on a few of these in the second half, but we wanted to give you an opportunity just to kind of hear some of the big talking points we hear uh, during campaign season and let you get a two or three words in. So, okay. You ready to go? I hope so. All right. First one is downtown. Potential. Connect transit. Important. O'Neill pool. Quality of life. Uh, we just talked about this one, but Bloomington Public Library. Community resource. Uh, how about urban sprawl? Mindful. And Constitution Trail? Connections. Okay. What about economic development? <laughs> Crucial. And the last uh, one I have, last one I have is Town of Normal. Uh, great partner. I got to say, you, you, I think you win the award so far of the quickest responses that are all under three words instead of going three sentences. So you know, uh, yeah. put, put that on your, uh, your walking points, talking points here. That was, that was good. That's good. Um, so as we come into the second half here, uh, before we expand on maybe a few of those, um, a question Jeremy likes to ask, and I'm going to ask it just a little bit differently, is, is the first, you know, first week in office, um, you sit down, you have a list of all these things you've been talking about throughout the campaign season. What's something you can focus on right away and think you can see some immediate result with? And the only, the only, uh, thing is you can't use COVID in your answer here. Oh man, there goes my one word answer. <laughs> so so what, what's something that that you think that you can do right away and have some immediate results with, uh, when you get into office? Uh, the first thing right away, I would say, because of the um, time I've spent on developing my skill sets and learning more about Bloomington, being involved in community things th- throughout the last 20 plus years and focus really hard on the last four years. The good thing is knowing some of the things that need to be um, addressed and the first day in office is like looking at is what is, you know, where are we at today and what's going on? What are people saying? What do they need to know? And looking at that list and putting that list in, in a, in a, uh, you know, one through 10 and none of them not saying one is the most important 10 is the least important, but again, is looking at as where is the health of our community right now? And what is it exactly that is the, the most important thing we need to do? And um, again, it's like, until I see all those in front of me, it'd be hard for me to say, oh, this one's important, that's important. Again, it's the livelihood of people, um, it's jobs. Jobs is important to me. How do we get more jobs to this community? So that's the first thing I would look at. Um, and then sitting and listening uh, to the, the people that have been running our city. I mean, let's be honest, uh, Tim Gleason and the directors of our city have been doing a great job, especially through this uh, pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so uh did not use the word COVID. Um, so I would say those are the things, just kind of looking at that and listening to where the their health, where they the kind of the health checkup and listening to them and saying, okay, you know, Tim, where are we at on these things? What are some pressing things that are happening right now that I'm not aware of? Because as as a citizen of Bloomington and the things you hear on on, you know social and all that. There's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of noise. I need to know exactly where are we at? What is the actual, you know, health of our community and where are the things that need to be addressed right this moment? Because me to say 
this is the most important thing would be kind of ridiculous to me to think that I know all and make an assumption that I, you know, these are the things I should, you know, have figured out. Um, but again, it's like sit down, listen to, to Tim, listen to the directors and saying, okay, how do we move that plan forward? How do we fix these things? And then from there, you just go. So, so you've been campaigning now for a few months and mm-hmm. I know you've heard probably I would say a majority of that's probably COVID related or, yeah. or business related. And I understand that, but outside of that, what are you hearing from people as you're campaigning? That's important to them. Is it, is it, and it, and it could be something small, like, you know, Eastland mall, or it mm-hmm. could be something much larger uh, in a bigger scope, but what, what are some of those well, things that you're hearing? The big ones and I'll hit them and then we can go in detail if you want to um, safety. Um, is a big thing in this community right now. Safety, and that's all parts of the community. So safety is an issue. Uh, Taxes is another issue. Uh, Development, uh, development of key areas of this community, more infill, more trying to figure out what are we doing with these empty buildings or these places that are really struggling that we know nothing is right now going to be moving forward. So again, they all go together because as we economically do better, we will see improvements and all those things. We'll have the funding for mental health. We'll have the funding for social stuff. We'll have funding for just to help lessen the burden of taxes. And again, that's my promise is as a leader is looking at all as a whole and saying, these are all important. And yes, I'm a business owner. Yes, I've done these things, but also too, I know the value of having a roof over your head, food on the table and people feeling safe. And right now there's a lot of things out there that people don't feel comfortable with. They're unsure about their livelihood. They're unsure about their safety. I mean, I've gotten emails um, from people that are fearful of sitting being on their second floor of their house or on their main floor of their house because there's been shootings in their neighborhood and they're saying we don't know what to do we have been staying we stay in our basement all night because we're afraid that a stray bullet will hit us and it's like that is sad to me and it's like how do I respond to a person and say you know what you know I can fix that and I wish I could fix that I can say we got to make it safer um, and that's, again, it's a community thing. Um, our, our police do a great job and they are trying to make our community safe, but there's only so much they can do. It's a, some of it has up to us to be better at who we are and to treat each other differently. And I think that's the biggest thing we have to really focus on is one of that is one of the many areas that need to be done. And in economics, like I said, development, yeah. we have to seek job growth. So I want to expand on safety in a moment uh, Mm -hmm. since you went into that. But before we do that, let's stick on economic development since that was one of the keywords. And you and you responded with crucial, I believe, if if Mm -hmm. I remember. You were going you were going pretty quick, so I was trying to write down what you were saying. (laughs) But uh, let's I'm going to use Isla Mall as an example uh, because that's the biggest. When you said infill abandoned building, that's the Mm -hmm. thing that popped in my head. Um, So like, what's the city's and what's the city's role in, in in fulfilling some of those. I mean, East Lamal being a, a giant example, probably the most expensive real estate in our city state, you know, corner of two state highways um, yeah. uh, near the airport. Right. And, and it's privately owned though. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what, what can the city do and what, how much involvement should they have? And then this is going to lead into that incentive question, right? What kind mm-hmm. of incentives can we provide? So yeah. I'll let you expand on that. 
Yeah. So yeah, the mall. Um, like I said, when I first got here in 1983, I remember that mall. I mean, we also had College Hills Mall and there's, you know, pretty competing locations. And um, it was a lot smaller footprint back in the day at Eastland. Um, you, you know, we didn't have all the bigger boxes where Macy's and, you know, you know JCPenney was there, of course, Sears was there, Bergner's was there. Those were the core ones that were there before. And over the years, as e-commerce has taken over and we all saw the is coming. This has happened in a lot of communities where the malls have closed, the big box stores, like we can't compete uh, like we used to. Uh, just uh, our model hasn't changed. And that's the reality is the model has to change for malls. And CBL, who is the owner of that, I think they're based out of Tennessee, is I think they're going through bankruptcy. Um, so that is a tough thing. When someone's going through bankruptcy, it's really hard to get anything moving. And of course, they continue to want to reduce their tax um, burden uh, for themselves, which then hurts our school system, which is very important. District 87 is very important to me. I went to 87. I have a you know a fond memories of that place and the people that worked there and taught me. And I look at uh, what we need to do. And I had said this years ago before big boxes started dropping off. It's like, what are we going to do? We're that's a huge that's a huge property that we need to do something and think about long term. And for whatever reasons, you talk to all the different people. Um, it, it didn't happen. Um, so now we're at this place where now there's a lot of it's empty. Um, it's a prime spot for a lot of things. Visually, it's 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 not very attractive right now uh, with a lot of empty stores. There's not much movement there. There's certain spots. But again, we need to go back as a representative, as the mayor and as council, as city manager, is to go and talk to them, start the dialogue again, even though they're going bankruptcy. It's like, what can we do? We have to think outside of this box. It's not going to be a mall again. It's not going to be the mall that it was before, um, the way with the big boxes. So what are we going to do with that? And it's like having that creativity, which that is my background is creativity of how to solve problems and how to do that. And it's again, not me saying, here's what we're going to do. It's like, hey, let's open dialogue. Let's talk about this. Where are they at? Um, we're right now at two opposite ends and we need to sit there and get, open that dialogue back up and see what's even the possibilities. Have you thought of these things? Have you have them come to us with a proposal and saying we can do this? I need to see a plan. Um, one of the things I think is a detriment sometimes is we talk in generalities and I need to do a better job of being specific is we can talk airy things. But unless we have an actual plan, say this is what we're going to do it doesn't mean anything. Um, it just gets people excited. Uh, but I want to basically say, let's sit down with you. What is your plan? What is your strategy? Okay, how do we make that happen? And it's not an investment by the city necessarily. It's more investment about how do we bring developers to invest? And what I've been told, our EDC groups, if we're willing to work with people, willing to help develop, then they're willing to do that. It's not saying we give city money. It's not saying city shouldn't lead it. I don't think the city should lead this development or other developments. It should be a, a partner in it. And then the rest should be led by developers because they're excited about city of Bloomington and what it provides. And then providing the jobs is the other exciting part. So, Michael, it sounds like you're saying more you would be open to um, giving permissions or being flexible or, or trying to work with whatever plan was coming in there, as opposed to necessarily uh, being more on the proactive giving incentives, you know, going going out and, and right. you know, doing the incentive package. But well, that, that you, yeah, there, the no, go ahead. Sorry. 
as I say, that leads to the next question Justin was going to. Of, so where is the option or where is that opportunity for incentives or how does that fit in the bigger picture? Yeah, I think the, the, oh, there's so many incentives and that's something I've talked to, to the EDC uh, the variety of different people and saying, okay, what is the incentive? Because everyone freaks out as we talk about TIFs, you know, you know, there's SSA, there is abatements, there's all these different options that are out there that, you know, there's so many tools in the toolbox. We got to look at those and say, what is beneficial for that space and saying, let's not always do the same thing we always do. Let's look at this and saying, I'm all about performance uh, incentives. I am very big into performance incentives. There's, if there's a reason, if they're saying, hey, if you do this X, Y, and Z, then you get this. If you don't do it, you don't get it. I look at it as we can, we, there's, there's creative ways to do incentives to where they benefit, the city benefits, and it's a win for everybody. And I think that's what we have to do is it cannot be a one-sided win. And we have to say we're willing to give more if you get bring in more. And again, it's like there's still, there should not be, a, you know, the winner and loser type mentality. Um, we have to look at those incentives and see what is best. So I think I know uh, Bloomington Normal EDC is putting stuff together. I know that that's retail, but again, we could redevelop that and it might not be retail. Uh, so again, looking at incentives, how that would work and knowing if they're going to put them together, we're going to do actually use them. And that's where it's a joint effort from Bloomington Normal is we need to level this playing field of not sit there and say, well, they have them over here and we have this over there. We need to kind of level that out a little bit. So we're not competing um, as much as we have been in the past. So in terms of economic development, um, you know, we talked about East Le Mall, but some another area that we've talked about um, you know, revitalizing and trying to get economic development activity, uh, economic activity to occur is downtown and the West side, some of the mm -hmm. older communities in town. Um, and you can't run for mayor in this town and talk to me without talking about downtown. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, how, how do you think uh, the city of Bloomington has done thus far uh, downtown? And, and you could throw the West side in there as well. Um, and then what are some things that you think you could help drive faster um, if you were elected mayor? Yeah, I think with downtown area, there's been so many plans and things, you know, studies have done. And I feel like we haven't really moved on a lot of those things. And I don't know if that's a, it's a, a city issue, if it's uh, property owners or who, where that's coming from. But there has been definite delays and not good. I feel like we need to do better at partnerships. One of the things I think has caused a lot of unsurety is we're going to talk about it. It's the arena. The arena has been there, good or bad. Um, it's here. And what I think has happened is people saw that and it's like we didn't add on to what we should have done. And I'm not saying the hotel or anything like that. I'm just saying what else could we do to complement that area at that time? Well, then after it happened and then we start seeing how much we were losing, everyone's like, why would we ever want to develop more downtown? We talk about downtown all the time. And that's one of the things that some of the people in the community have said is that we, you guys always talk about downtown, talk about downtown. And we spent all this money in there. It's like, well, we really haven't spent that much money in there recently. Years ago we had. And yes, we keep on paying for losses on that arena uh, whole different story a longer conversation to have um, but yeah we need to look at pockets of that downtown area and say what can we do to improve the outside the the facades of these buildings what are, what are the owners really doing with these buildings do we put more pressure on some of the owners that are just letting the buildings rot and nothing's happening to them I think we need to have more responsibility for ownership in development down there. Um, so you have that, you have the West side. Um, there's a perfect spot 
um, over off of uh, Market Street. If you guys remember where the old Janice Cake and some of those other places are at, that area has finally been knocked down. It was some really old buildings that were just sitting there abandoned and it was knocked down. So now there's fencing around it and there's an opportunity there to say, hey, developers, who's willing to do this? And I know uh, Lori Bell and Arthur Haynes have been pushing that. They're excited. They're passionate about that pit place. And I went out there and talked to them. And it's it's exciting to think about what could possibly go there. And it's, again, is trying to find the partnerships of saying, we will help develop that. And it's not necessarily saying the city of Bloomington, but it's saying the city of Bloomington plays a part of saying, I'm excited. Let me go find people that are excited about this. And how do we help them who are already leading the charge to bring that, um, you know, to life? And I think that would improve such an area that needs improvement um, that has maybe not gotten the attention it needs over the years and it needs the attention. And I think that's something that would be key to do. Well, one of the things downtown um, that has been talked about for several years that has gotten more publicity lately is a downtown transfer center with Connect Transit. Yes. And, uh, you know, initially, so I served on the downtown Bloomington Task Force, um, and we had talked about a multi-use facility. um, And actually, it was before the task force. That was, I think, the FAR plan originally talked about a multi-use facility um, with a transfer center down there. But what I've seen so far uh, that's been released doesn't show any multi-use. Now there might be talks behind the scenes. I'm not on the council. I don't know, but what's been released from the public is just a transfer center. And that concerns me uh, because as much as a transfer center is needed for connect transit's operations or, or, or they say it will, I, I shouldn't take an opinion on that, even though I have one. Um, it's not a, it's not going to be an economic driver if it's just a transfer center. Um, we, we're going to need to use that as a jumping, jumping off point. Um, and, and to do that, I think you need to have the city uh, have play more of an active role in that. So long story, a long buildup to my question is how big of a, how big of a opportunity is it to have this downtown transfer center somewhere downtown and what can the city do to help make that a springboard for more development? Yeah. Yeah, very good question. First, I want to say for Connect Transit, um, I met, went out there and met with them um, a couple, about a month or two ago. It's time has flown by. They're doing a phenomenal job. I mean, they are doing studies. They're doing. They're trying to keep the costs down. They're not trying to misspend money that both town and normal and the city of Bloomington give, and then also they get most of their funding from federal. Um, I mean, they've gotten federal and state. You know, I mean, securing this transit thing, they secured basically nineteen million dollars. So they've done their job. They said. We're going to get a transit, you know, location downtown Bloomington, and they did this thing, and they'd say, like, you know, what a great thing they did. So we have three spots. We have, you know, the Panagraph, old Panagraph building, the Market Street parking deck, and C2 East, and they all have their good and bad. Uh, you look at that, and we need as a city, as the city, um, see, man, you know, this, the city itself is basically, we need to partner with that. We need to look at that and say, okay, well, what do we want to do? Do we just want a transit center? There's so many other things that could economically de- develop that. And it's like, are we talking to the people that would be interested in developing places like that? And yes, it does cost money. And again, we have to be mindful of people's money taxes. It's not again saying let's raise taxes to, to develop something that we have to say is if we're not, we need to be better at communicating and showing a vision of why it would be important to have that to the developers and saying, here's what we want to see. We need a partnership there. And right now you, you, you talk about, uh, Location C2 East, there's not enough space. Uh, if you're going to do a combo, 
there's none. I last time I looked, I don't remember that being that big of an area um, uh, to do it. One, the transfer center, and two, having other things additionally next to it. Um, you talked about the parking deck. That parking deck has been it, it should have been uh, taken down a long time ago. It has had problems for a long time. Not good hike, not good lighting. It's uh, it's a it's a you know we're getting ready to spend one point three million dollars in twenty twenty one is slated to uh, keep it keep it up and going. I mean that's a lot. We want to keep on shoving millions of dollars into a parking deck, and we all know it's going to need to be replaced or something done differently. Um, so you have all these things. So partnership. So we have partnership with connect we have partnership with business owners because part you know if we do the market street parking there's 500 550 parking spots there most of those parking spots are rented out to companies corporations down there and my question is where are you going to put them if you re remove it and don't put a new parking deck or you don't put any additional things in there that is a big thing. They, they spend a lot of money and it's like, one, we don't want to lose any more of our, our downtown employment and jobs down there because uh, we don't know what we're going to do with them. And again, maybe this is something been talking to council and mayor. I have no idea, but it's not been publicly put out there saying we have these partners, developers, we have a plan. If we do it, this location, this location, this location, we should have been, I think from day one, talking about a partnership with connect transit and how that was going to work. And I feel like that has, been in the forefront of what needs to happen and really sharing the vision of what we could do around that and what it's going to cost and what it's not going to cost. And again, it's the mind is the people saying, I don't want to pay more taxes. I don't want to, you know, so I understand that we have infrastructure issues we need to fix. And I want to make sure those are done first, but also too, this can happen again. It's there's again, going back to me as my business background, you can do more than one thing. You just have to figure out how you balance and there's a balancing act, there's risk involved, but there's also to the payoff at the end. Um, and I think that's what we need to do. So it sounds like you're, you're in the camp of, or if I'm hearing you right, the vote would be more of the market street, but we have a couple uh, hurdles still to overcome with. Yeah. With, I mean, uh, I mean, the pantograph would be, yeah, the pantograph spot be a good location because it's repurposing, redoing something. I don't know what the cost would be, um, how they would re if they could do something, use that building or it has to be completely taken off the, you know, everything there. It's a pretty solid building. If you guys have been in that before. Um, but I just, I think the C2 East building might not be, and maybe, Maybe I'm speaking out of turn and making someone upset about the <laughs> that they'll develop their property. Uh, but uh, I think uh, the other two make sense if we want to build something around it to be able to have a, a more effective hub of uh, employment um, and other things that would be that would complement that space and also traffic flow. So. Well, let's pivot from Connect Transit, but still talk about um, something that's important downtown and then throughout the entire community that you brought up before. And I want to make sure you have an uh, opportunity to expand on that safety. Um, so we got about, I don't know, five, 10 minutes left of the podcast. So it's not going to, we're not going to solve Sorry. anything today, <laughs> I think. Dang it. But, um, you know, police, safety, you said you're hearing it when you're, you know, talking to, mm -hmm. to voters. Um, it's been in the, in the news this past year. What are you hearing? What ideas do you have on improvement? Um, how do you think the you know police department's currently doing? Um, and where, where are the opportunities for improvement? Well, I, first thing, I'll start with the police department. I think they're doing a great job. Is there always improvement? Yes. I mean, no one in our any of our jobs, livelihoods, anything, even in our personal lives, we can always do better. That is not a problem. I, I think that is something that's just real, real you know, 
the real life thing is that we all have, we can all improve. Um, great thing is one of the things that we start with police is we need to get another, you know, we have an interim police chief, which is doing a great, he's doing a great job. We need to find a new police chief. Um, I'm hoping we get someone here locally. It'd be great. Um, but again, you know, that's everyone's preference, but I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, hiring internally because I understand our community. Uh, they do a lot of training they do a lot of things and um, safety is a concern. As we get into, we can get into what's coming up next week and state law and all that. That's a whole nother, you know, another hour uh, that we would need to have about the new rules that are coming down, um, how that's going to affect our police. Um, the ultimate thing is from talking to citizens, talking to police, talking to everybody is we all want to be safe. We all want to feel welcome in our community. We all want to feel like the place that we're renting um, owning whatever that we can go and move around and be safe. And that's the thing is that is what I've been getting besides talking to people in person. And also the emails I receive is people are, are concerned. And I think with mental health right now is a big issue. And I think some of that could be some of the reason why we're having some of these safety concerns and problems is that we are, we're isolated. We're by ourselves. There's been a lot more, um, abuse reported. There's a lot of other things, but really it comes down to his mental health. And I know the county is, you know, putting, you know, has been helping with that. And we have a great, you know, path has been great. Uh, we just need more resources. I mean, that's what we really need is we need more resources for our mental health. And that's also more resources for the police to have mental health workers going with them to places to engage in something, a, a domestic or something that's going on and have that person that's, is um, trained and is is being you know watched by the police and saying, hey, we're bringing someone in to help you walk you through these things. So hopefully de-escalate these things that are going on and hopefully we can get to a better place to where people are not so upset or just feel hopeless. And that's why I think we have a safety issue. There's hopelessness and we need to bring more hope to our community. Michael, one of the pieces you said there talking with safety was uh, people need to feel more welcoming. Of course, that's that's the magical welcoming ordinance uh, award. There. So, uh, with with knowing that we're like five minutes away, I, I would love to know uh, what is your view? Uh, do we need a welcoming ordinance? If so, uh, what, what what should it address? What's your views on that? That is a very complex issue. Uh, yes, the ultimate thing is my desire is for everyone to feel welcome in our community. If you're uh, citizen, immigrant, you know, undocumented, whatever phrase you want to use is like, everyone is a human being, we need to matter whatever they identify or anything. Again, across the board, we need to make sure people feel welcome. And that part of the welcoming city saying is yes, who doesn't? I want that. I want people to feel safe. I want people to feel welcome. And I want to go beyond a little bit more beyond the welcoming cities is saying is, well, how do we do that? And we talked about the Welcoming America initiative and the, how that goes down to more than just people feeling welcome and safe. It's like figuring out how do we help them? How do we 
in their lives, how do we help them with jobs? How do we help them with their own, uh, their background of saying, okay, they're culturally, they're different. Um, they come from a different culture. And they're like, well, how do we do that? Well, I assume, I can't assume that, well, you're in America, you have to do this. It's like, no, you, they have cultural differences. They have different things they think and do and how they interact with people. So we have to figure out how do we do a better job of working and interacting and basically saying, what are your needs? I can't, again, going back to assumptions, I can't assume I know what their needs are unless I find out from them personally, what are your needs? And so that is the bigger thing is, and I think that's where Welcome America would be a little stronger. Um, and of course, which, you know, right at the last couple of minutes, uh, uh, you know, there's other parts of the welcoming cities. It is, you know, an area that is, is a very difficult area. And my concern with that is the communications, good and bad limitations of communications with different agencies. I want to be careful with that because again, I don't work in that job that all of a sudden now I'm saying I'm restricting your communications. I would like to say, what do we do with that? And this comes back to the very beginning of this whole conversation is we need to sit down with all agencies and groups and saying, how do we do this together? It's not going to be perfect, but we need to figure out this. I cannot you know, dictate how we communicate because that could cause a safety issue uh, for agencies and a safety issue for people individually. And again, that's the ultimate goal, safety, care uh, for people. And I think we need to look at that, relook at that a little bit more and expand upon what that uh, ordinance or, you know, how, you know whatever they're calling it, you know, initiative, um, making sure we do, it's a little bit more expansive. Well, sorry to be the bad host here and, and drop the big, big question. The last five minutes wasn't intentional, but uh -oh. we, we do just kind of go, go wherever people talk. So <laughs> I appreciate you addressing that. Um, if, if voters wanted to learn more about you or find out about your positions, reach mm -hmm. out to volunteer, donate, help talk, whatever, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Well, I have a website. So strazaformayor.com is where you can kind of get a who is Mike, meet Mike, all the history of my education to all the things I've been involved in from community and beyond the community. And you will see all the vast things I've been doing that has been part of this community involvement. And then you can go to my Facebook page, um, again, Strasser for Mayor uh, uh, Facebook page, and you can learn more about that. Just kind of things, what's going on, uh, things I believe, think um, just, you know, how I want to help. That's what it comes down to. I want to help. And I know I would be the best mayor for this, you know, position to help people and listen. And that's all it's all about is making us a better place. Very good. Well, uh, last thing I have to do is make sure that we thank our sponsor who is sponsoring all of the election edition of these pod BNs. And that's Little Beaver Brewery. They're located at Five Finance Drive in Bloomington, open 11 to 8 every single day. Uh, they have 24 beers on tap. I feel like I've been talking about their food so much lately because... That's all I've been seeing on Facebook, and I, I went there the other day and saw it in person, and it looked delicious. So we've been talking a lot about their food, but um, they are a brewery, so they do have 24 beers on tap, too. So if beer is your thing, uh, check them out locally brewed right there on, on the spot. They have a very nice renovated uh, tap room as well as patio when, as, as the sun starts to shine a little bit more and we can get outside. It's a family-friendly place, too, so be sure to check them out. We, we appreciate them. And Mike, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you again for having me on here. Um, hopefully it gives a little bit of window of who I am and what I want to do. Sounds good. Thanks for coming on. All right, Thank thanks, you guys. Mike. Appreciate it.